This is Within and Between, a podcast about the methods and meta-science behind developmental science. Hi, welcome. I'm Jessica Logan. And I'm Sarah Hart. And this is With It In Between. Yeah. It's summer. It is summer. And you know, Jess, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. I've been kind of a little upset with you. Oh, God. What did I do? Um, so, you know, as we're getting ready for to record our podcast episodes, um, mm-hmm. one of Jess's jobs, well, she is so amazing. She does, uh, you know, like creates like a, we have a shared document of, you know, our sketch of what the episode is going to be like topics and, uh, and how we're going to transition and things like that. Uh, and you wrote on our document for today's episode that it was the end of summer episode. (laughs) And I was just not mentally or physically prepared to read those words. Um, and it was just really, really hard for me, and I've been struggling. So I'm gonna go, you're just going to need to delete those words out of the Google Doc, because it's upsetting. It's not ready. <laughs> no, and it is not the end of summer, and you need to take that shit back. <laughs> I think, you know, as I was planning things out, I, like, wrote the next, like, five or six that we were going to do. Yeah. And then as I was thinking about, well, where where does this fit in? I went, well, this is kind of like it's the last one. This is our... Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Fine. Nope. Not the end of summer. Stop it. Yeah. It is not the end of summer. It's still July. Thank That's you. <laughs> it is still July. There may be a two in front of the date like it's a 20 something date yeah (laughs) and that's very upsetting too but thank you it is not the end of summer and we're gonna top we're gonna just stop all discussion about that okay you just listen to me right now as i hit delete yeah can you you. hear it yeah oh yeah thank you does that that feel better it does yeah just gonna delete it right out of there (laughs) (laughs) so i think uh as i was thinking about our not end of summer episode uh, i was thinking about how you know right at the beginning, we recorded how are we adapting to working during COVID. And so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with this episode is how are we working now with COVID? You know, at first it was like we were in emergency mode. It was like, go, 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 find a place to work, find a corner to sit down and work in. And um, now we've been looking at four months of being at home. I mean, we hit four months for me a couple of weeks ago, like, yeah. like a week ago. Yeah. And um, now, you know, my school district is saying they're probably going to be home. My university is not sure whether we'll be back on campus or not. So I'm looking at another six months forward of probably being at home. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how are you working right now? So how, where are you working? Yes. Dr. Hart, where are you, where are you working? Right now, physically, I am in an office that is in my house. In Tallahassee, Florida. Mm. Uh, it was formerly my husband's office. Uh, <laughs> and when COVID started, he got kicked out. Uh, <laughs> and he now sits at our dining room table and I have our office. Um, so that's where I am. And you're right. I also anticipate uh, likely working from home till next summer, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to Oof. teach in the fall and my class is online and I don't teach in the spring. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is going to be it. We, I keep asking my husband, I'm like, do you want another working space, not our dining room table? Should mm-hmm. we figure something else out? Because, you know, I'm here for the long haul. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, I have a, a different situation. Yeah. I'm currently in my bedroom on what I can only describe as a makeshift desk. It's it's like I I have an old cabinet door that I screwed something that resembles legs into (laughs) that are about desk height. That's amazing. And it's it's like twice the size of a laptop. It's very, very small. It's like a kitchen cabinet door. Okay. That I um, salvaged and used as a desk. I don't usually work here, but it works in a pinch. Like if people are being really loud and I really need to get away, then I can come up to my bedroom and work in here. Um, okay. But I don't. So it's like normally, are you like co-mingling with your family then? Your two kids, your husband? Oh, yeah. We are all we are all in this together, just like the um, high school musical. <laughs> wow. So I have... There's a couple of different places where I, I work. So I have a front porch that's screened in and I work out there, but I don't have a desk. So I just like work with my computer in my lap. Mm-hmm. Or I have I have a little kitchen counter space where I can sit and work or sometimes my dining room table, but that's where my husband is. Okay. So I have one kid who sits at the back of the couch and works and one who sits on the couch and works and sometimes they retreat to their bedroom. And when I say works, I mean like surf the internet work yeah Yeah. watches youtube (laughs) plays games yeah (laughs) we finally broke down and blocked youtube on their computers (laughs) because we'd be like no youtube and every time we'd come by they that's what they were doing (laughs) so yes i work all over the place i'm just like i i'm a nomad i'm i'm typically a nomad i don't like to work in the same place i I like working out in a coffee shop and i like you know working from home one day a week is Mm kind of what i used to do and so I've been continuing that process. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how sustainable that's going to be because my back hurts. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw this potentially being a, a, like a long-term solution. Despite even I listening back to that that episode, we recorded it. You know, it, it was like, at first I felt a little surprised at how long it's been going. Um, but mm-hmm. I did bring home my stand-up desk that was in my office and my two oh. monitors and my external keyboard and stuff like that. Don't. Don't tell my university. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely. I think you just did. I definitely submitted the paperwork to allow myself to do that. Uh, and, uh, and so, and like, uh, you know, so I, I, I dock my, my laptop and have a standing desk. So, oh. uh, like I do at my normal office. So yeah, my, my back has been very thankful that yeah. I have done that. Um, that's really nice. Yeah. I wish our office, um, has a, a beautiful design feature of great big glass French doors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is gorgeous. I it, can see it right now. You can see it behind beautiful. my back right now. Yeah, yeah. it is beautiful. <laughs> it works for our front foyer. And when you walk into our, our house and you see these French doors and look into our office, it's beautiful. Not so great when my five and a half year old has got his nose <laughs> pressed up against the window <laughs> looking at me in the office and going, going Mama, Mom. Mama. Mama. 
that would be, you know, I feel pretty fortunate for the setup I have, but that would be mm-hmm. kind of a change that I would make to some sort of door with a lock on it. Yeah. <laughs> also, I would say for the first few months working at home, our, as it turns out, home internet was shit before. Uh, and uh, <laughs> very funny. Yeah, Zoom calls just did not work. Uh, and so oh, I would have terrible. to hardwire into our router and sit in our laundry room. Uh, yeah. So for anybody that had a meeting with me for the first few months of COVID, they saw me sitting in our what was my first office, which was the laundry room. Uh, yeah, and like sitting on the dryer or something. <laughs> I would sit on the floor or I'd pull in oh. a dining room chair. Yeah, uh, and like on our dogs, like food, Tupperware thing. thing. Oh yeah, you know the storage container. My my computer would sit on that. Um, but we have since upgraded the Wi-Fi, thankfully, and yeah. uh, now I can I can work in the office. Do you like smell dog food and now like think, oh, I have to write? No, it'd <laughs> 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 oh, be really convenient. But no, <laughs> no, I smell it, and I'm like, it's another Zoom call coming. <laughs> <laughs> My anxiety level just spiked. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah. yeah. What about a set schedule? Do you work at the same time every day or are you just like in and out, dipping in whenever you can? I do. Uh, it Since we've kind of moved into to later half of summer. So my husband's a real estate agent. And so mm-hmm. he is uh, moving into a time of year where he has less work outside the house. And so he's able to wrangle, I'm very fortunate, wrangle our five and a half year old child for most of the day. So I do have recently a, a more um, normal schedule that I'd say in the last few months, that has been the case. Um, and so yeah, it r- roughly approximates a work day. But you know, have you seen these discussions on the internet about how when you work from home, you kind of like it's hard to cut off. So like, now my morning mm. coffee is like in the office on my computer answering emails rather than mm. just like reading the internet like it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I tend to have longer work days and just to make up for the huge swaths of like loss of motivation in the middle of the day when I feel like I can't do anything or interruptions from my child, which means I, I am not able to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So rough, roughly a regular work day, but it's much more flexible than it used to be. That's yeah. that's where I am right now. How about you? I'm um I've tried to be better at getting up early. I find it impossible to get much work done with children awake mm-hmm. and a husband awake. And it's nothing that they necessarily do. I mean, sometimes it is, but mostly it's kind of like I have a spidey sense. It's like a mom spidey yeah. sense tingling like, in the back of my like head. Your eyes going, are constantly seeing what's happening. Yeah. What is? What do they need? What do they need? Did she eat today? Has she eaten? Did she eat yesterday? Like, it's just like a constant uh, buzz in the back of my head. And I find it really hard to concentrate. So I've tried to do a really good job of getting up early and trying to get a couple of hours of work done before my family wakes up. Is there, their like very existence sucks your soul, your work it, soul. Well, you, you're exactly right. I mean, I think you might have been exaggerating, but that's what it feels like. I don't know if you've seen there's the Harry Potter movies. There's like a Dementor, and it sucks your soul away. That's like literally what it feels like. There's these three little siphons, and they're like it's siphoning away from me, and it feels awful. Yeah, but you know, so we're kind of joking, kind of not. Uh, if if your family happens to listen to this episode, we're definitely joking. Uh, oh, yes. But uh, maybe not. Uh, but you know, it kind of point it. You know, it's really hard to 
you know, this parenting, especially being a parent right now, being a mom, especially in COVID mm-hmm. times, if you're working from home with your kids around, it's really hard to turn that that part of yourself off. You yeah. know, I think it's also particularly hard for those of us who are developmental scientists yeah. who are like fascinated by kids. A lot of us, maybe not you. <laughs> I know you said <laughs> developmental science was like a, a secondary entry point for you. Yeah. <laughs> But like, my God, if I had a three, a four-year-old, three or four-year-old running around right now, I would get literally nothing, less than nothing done because I'm so fascinated by how they bring on language. Mm -hmm. I think if I had like a two, three or four-year-old, I'd probably be keeping a track of like every new word they learned. (laughs) Just, yeah, doing, doing science on your kid. Exactly. Mm Because I just, just find that so, so fascinating. Um, Thankfully, they're mostly just annoyed by me. So... (laughs) Like, mom. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, yeah. Like, do they interrupt you during the day? What's, like, sciencing and parenting like for you right now? They do interrupt during the day. I spent an hour yesterday paying, playing Beyblades. Do you know what those things are? Thankfully, no. Yeah. I, that, it's coming. Oh, Don't boy. worry. Well, maybe. Uh, if Hard ever goes to school, you'll, you'll end up with finding out what they are. They're just, like, spinny tops. But it comes with there's like a cartoon show and then you get a physical top. And so then you play with the top and they like fight each other. Anyway, I spent an hour doing that yesterday and it was still not enough. It was not enough. <laughs> you said you'd play with me. Like I just played yeah. with you. <laughs> <laughs> I just played with you. Exactly. So I uh, I try to squeeze things in. It just varies completely day to day. I think a schedule doesn't really work very well for my family mm-hmm. um, because some days everybody wants to go in their own corners and read and other days people need love and attention and affection and it just varies from day to day. And I'm one of those people. Some days I'm like, nobody talk to me or I'm going to explode. And other days I'm like, what are you guys doing? Any Anybody want to sit next to me and we'll read a book? <laughs> So it just totally, it totally varies. And I'm trying to be really kind to myself about that, but it's, uh, it's very hard. It's very hard. And I think it's a product of both academia sort of generally, we're very product oriented, Mm -hmm. um, you know, get another line on your CV sort of thing. But then it's also society. We live in a capitalist society here in the United States, and we believe that you are only worth what you're producing. producing. That did you see me retweet that tweet the other day? It kind of went viral about a, a therapist calling out somebody for just looking for new accomplishments, and, like being <gasps> being very, uh, you know. And, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is me. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I just got some therapy there too. <laughs> Twitter therapy. Not being happy unless you're looking for accomplishment, new accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, guilty. How are you, are you feeling like pressure, not pressure, not the right word, like stress about kind of balancing this parenting, you know, being a mom at home right now and being pre-tenure as well and thinking about the things that you wanted to be doing for tenure? Yes, I am. And, and Sarah, you're very good at and have in the past called me out on my need to very actively parent. Mm. You've, you've done a lot of good peer-to-peer mentorship around telling About me that I don't have to lower, actively lowering the yeah. bar on parenting. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. very much lower the bar on parenting. <laughs> so I've tried to dial back 
some of that, which has helped a lot. Um, but I, I still have that sort of active buzzing of momness in the back of my head. And it, it, it is particularly stressful because the sort of work that my tenure committee is telling me I need to do is things like write a solo authored paper, mm-hmm. PI a grant. And that is deep thinking work that I cannot do in between Beyblade sessions and learning about Harry Potter fan fiction. I can't. Mm-hmm. My brain is pulled in too many directions. Um, and so I, uh, I have a, my solution. It's not, it's not a real solution. It's a very temporary solution. Mm-hmm. But I, I rented myself an Airbnb, a little hotel room. Uh, yeah. And I, I left for two nights. Amazing. And I tell you what, I, the minute I walked in the door of this place, first of all, I was very scared. I like sanitized the heck out of everything. I brought my own sanitizing spray. I like opened all the windows. I aired it out. I feel, I feel really good about it. But I got there. I did all my sanitizing. I went and I sat outside and I opened my computer and I wrote an entire results section top to bottom. Wow. And I was like, oh, I can still do this job. Okay. Just the cognitive <sighs> space away from just even the like... The buzz. Yeah. You know, even if they're not around, like you said, turning off your brain for a second, not being a mom every moment of the day for Mm -hmm. them or thinking, you know, if you're not a mom, thinking about your house, doing your dishes or what are you going to eat next? You know, giving yourself the workspace. Oh, look at that wall. It needs to be painted. Yeah. That that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It just is a constant buzz in the back of my. It's like a. um, I was trying I think about it. It's sort of like. I'm always weighing what's the most important thing to do next. Mm-hmm. And in the back of your head is still this buzz of like, also, are you going to survive? There's a <sighs> pandemic on. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's also a thing. That's, yeah, it's weighty, man. Mm-hmm. And so like, what's the thing that I need to make sure that I've done? Ugh, it's awful. So it's that that buzz. I was able to quiet a part of that buzz by being away from my everyday space which is like why we have offices, mm-hmm. right? I was in that as like uh, when I was sitting, like working at this place, I actually was thinking like, man, if only there was some place like this where people could go and you could have a lot of people. Oh, nice. You reinvented <laughs> yeah. the office. I sure did. <laughs> You're such a disruptor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I really, I really belong in Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> hear me out guys a space <laughs> just for like working working your own <laughs> quiet space what about you do you have the same buzz happening all the time um i would say not as much i think because i can't have physical space in my house a little mm. bit uh mm-hmm. that's helpful uh to be in an office but um i find it's more unpredictable it's not all the time but i'll just wake up some days with that yeah like that like overwhelming existential crisis of what's happening you know mm. or being worried about what th- this all means for my science or worried about what it means really for the people in my lab what it means for you know the participants out there that are in my longitudinal project how they're doing you know mm. what my local school board is doing at any given time like my kid's supposed to go to kindergarten uh you oh. know which was something that's fun and exciting and something you look forward to as a parent and like who knows what that's going to look like for him So I can some days wake up and work like a good solid work day on a paper like I did actually on Monday. And then all of a sudden it's Thursday. I'm like, I 
barely kept up with stuff in the last few days. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I worked, I did really good intensive deep thinking work on Monday and then that was it. And so I'm lucky these days if I get like a a one day of deep work done. Mm. Total. That's so rough. Well, and the other thing that's happening is that there's a lot more committee things Mm -hmm. going on. I don't know about at your university, but certainly here it's like another town hall on reopening and we need to have your conversations around anti-racism. And so there's a lot of additional um, places that I need to be investing my time and my energy and my attention. So that's also sucking it away. So it's just like. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good point. I've really noticed, you're right, that committee work. Normally, you know, I'm grant funded in the summertime. And I've Mm -hmm. been really in the last few years been trying to be very cognizant of my effort in the summer and Mm -hmm. to protect my effort for research in the summertime. And uh, for the most part, my department has always been pretty good about not having any service commitments in the summertime. Kind of everybody just goes away and does their own thing. But it's just not the case this summer. It, you know, there, there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of it, you know, emailing with my chair about things happening in the department or changes we want to see happening in the department. Even, you know, like I'm trying to get a GRE GRE waiver through for Mm. my program area, right? I direct a program area and so have that in place in the fall, which means like extensive paperwork that needs to be filled out um, and submitted through, you know, all of this work that I don't typically do in the summertime has come up this year. Um, And so... uh, And all of that stuff is like, it's not deep thinking work but it's thinking work it's cognitively challenging but it's not deep thought it's some sort of weird yeah other place I it's think- kind of like some things I have to do are like I have to move files from one online server to another which should be easy but I have to like remember all my sign-ins and like have all of the right pieces of information and it just feels like it's like cognitively very difficult but it's thin I don't, probably there's memory researchers who can tell us probably what exactly what that's called but yeah. you're right it's almost like though either the the stuff you're doing is for really weighty reasons you know mm-hmm. um and or, you know because of covid or because of you know like the cultural shift and more diversity equality inclusion stuff that's starting to happen now thankfully but you know that's all of these kind of really heavy reasons for why you're doing this work that before this type of work didn't necessarily have that kind of emotional valence to it. So that mm. makes it feel like it's harder work. Um, and I mean, I don't, that's probably the only explanation for why it does seem to, it does just take more right now. And, and then mm-hmm. also just like the general, you know, collapse of the world around you. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got the government, kidnapping people off the street yeah, that's cool it's just a lot awesome. there's a lot so um yeah i've been it is hard to find space and what i'm concerned about you know i think you saw last week i wrote an op-ed with you know some of our good friends and colleagues you know tiffany hogan and emily solari about you know our concern about the effect of covid on um women in academia not just yeah. this year this year might seem obvious to everybody but it's the multi-years out that we're so concerned about because of this mm-hmm. you know i i'm talking about getting one good work day a week at best you know, right, you had to leave right. your house to go to an Airbnb to get yeah. two and a half days of good work done on the deep thinking work, you know, like yeah. that, that's going to have an impact on CVs 
not just this year, but, you know, our stuff takes multiple years. You know, it's less grants submitted this summer. It's less papers submitted this summer. And it's yeah. kind of differentially affecting people. You know, it's differentially affecting true. women and a def- diff- especially differentially affecting parents and moms, especially at home uh, with kids at home. Yeah, I think there's been some sort of meta analytic mm-hmm. work, not meta, meta science work on the impact of having babies on publications. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to look into exactly how that impacts it. It impacts sort of long term what you're able to, to do. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. It's going to impact people for for a long, long time. And I, I hope that this will I mean, it's, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, we'll have to keep that in mind as we are sitting on search committees, mm-hmm. I think, for sure. And sitting on promotion, writing tenure letters and things like that. It's a, it was a really nice piece. I'm really glad y'all did that. Yeah, thank you. And if anybody is listening to this relatively, you know, soon uh, after we release it, you know, we're trying to take stories and ideas where, you know, we realize there's a lot of concern pieces out there, but not a lot of pieces that actually give actionable ideas. Like uh, solutions, yeah. Yeah, and so that's our next step. So we're taking, um, we have a Google Doc, uh, we'll link to it in our episode notes, um, where we're taking people's stories, uh, but also um, ideas about ways that we can kind of reimagine academia at post-COVID uh, in ways mm-hmm. that administrators, especially who are probably less likely to have kids at home, uh, you know, definitely less likely to be women, uh, can think about um, changes that they might make at their university that can be kind of profound for the faculty or and students who are suffering there. Because, I mean, there's just some of the stories we're already starting to read um, from the Google Doc, you know, people are just really struggling. It's a really yeah. difficult time. And I've been really um, uh, heartened, the opposite of disheartened, mm-hmm. to hear about, you know, there are administrators there who are really interested in helping and they just don't have uh, ideas around how to help. So I, I love that you all are filling that gap. I think that's such important work. Um, I'm very excited to read those stories. Yeah, cool. hopefully, hopefully we get some. I mean, we are getting some great ideas. So we'll put, we'll, we're gonna go through it, kind of do like a content, like look at see common themes and put together um, some recommendations. Qualitative research. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I am not trained in good qualitative research, so it'll be more like multiple people said this, yeah. <laughs> or that's a great idea. <laughs> and qualitative researchers everywhere would die inside because it's not yeah. nearly rigorous it's enough. It's not rigorous enough. No. Enough. <laughs> so I would never call it qualitative. I wouldn't insult the wonderful work that qualitative researchers do. <laughs> I was going to say, when did you take that training course? I did I don't know what I'm doing there. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the the third thing I really wanted us to talk mm-hmm. about today is getting ready to teach. You already said you're teaching online. I'm also going to be teaching online in the fall. Um, the class I'm teaching online in the fall has a lab component as well. Oh, is it taught um, by a graduate student? Taught by a graduate mm-hmm. student. Mm-hmm. And the lab is explicitly shut down. So like even if she wanted to hold it in person, she's not allowed to right. um, because it's too small. Yeah. So they can't hold it in person. So everything is going to be online. Um We've worked out most of the technical details, but I wanted to talk about how are you preparing to teach online? Um, what is that? What are you doing differently to teach online than you would do to teach in person? I'm going to have a very unsatisfying answer to this. Awesome. 
I'm used to disappointment. Okay. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, I have the good fortune of teaching uh, like our, um, our developmental psychology graduate seminar class uh, this mm-hmm. fall. And why I say good fortune is it's a smaller class. There's, there's something like only seven or eight people enrolled in the class right now. Uh, and uh, it's just, just like a Zoom meeting. I know. It's 100% discussion-based. So that's what I am doing. It is going to be a Zoom meeting. And I know it. Um, it is uh, not... Um, uh, that like good online pedagogy mm-hmm. would say to not do what I'm about to do, which is, yeah, hold it synchronously and just do the exact same thing we would do in a classroom, but just do it online. Mm. Uh, so that's why I said you'd be disappointed. There are <laughs> ways to do it better. There are ways to do it that are that this is a way to do it. That's kind to me and not necessarily kind to the students. Um, mm. And uh, I recognize that. Uh, but I, th- I think based on kind of knowing the students it, it body, you know, like the, the graduate students who are in our program mm, uh, okay. and, uh, you know, and I'm just going to allow for absences, allow for internets not to work, you know, be open to illness because I think that's going to start coming up. You know, people, yeah. our students are going to start getting COVID. Um Hopefully not, but, you know, building that all into my syllabus to allow that you don't have to be there, but the regular class will be synchronously online. That's Mm -hmm. how I'm doing things. Yeah, I taught a class like that in the spring, and that's, uh, I I went asynchronous with it, which was record lectures and put them online, and then the students actually were in the recording of lecture phase. Like It's one of those classes where at the end, the students are supposed to research something and then they present on it themselves. So they all prepared presentations and gave them asynchronously online, recorded mm-hmm. them and uploaded them. Um, so it ha- COVID shutdown happened right when we made that transition. So it was basically all student presentations. Um, so I don't, I that sort of worked. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool to be able to watch them and watch them again. It was it was really neat to see how creative people were with it. Some people involved their kids and like had them come and help, and it was really cute. Yeah, that is fun. Um, to let them be creative, which I thought was nice. Um, but for my class yeah. in the fall, this it's a big class, so I have it's relatively big for graduate students. It's forty graduate students. Wow. Um, and it'll be, it's my regression class and it's the last time I'm ever going to teach this class, which is sad because we're phasing it out of the curriculum. Oh, um, I know I'm really sad cause it's like, I don't know. I feel like I feel very attached to this class. So, uh, it's kind of fun to teach it, I guess, one more time, even if it's in this different fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but my plan right now with this class is to do some synchronous Um, It's online and synchronous. And it's because of experiences that I've talked to with graduate students who have been through our program and the classes that they took last year. So I have a blackboard in my dining room. I have like a wall that is a blackboard. So my plan is to set up in my dining room and I'm going to teach and write stuff on the blackboard. So I'll have that option to be able to to write in like I I feel like I I process things better when I can like write the equation down and talk Mm -hmm. about it at the same time. So I have that plan going on. Um, now, the way that I always structure my classes is I, I always do a, it's like four big sections. And section one is like covering the homework they did last week and the stuff that we introduced last week. Section two is new material. Uh, we're going over the material they sort of should have read about the week before. And then there's a quiz where they 
test out whether they're learning what they should have been learning. So I ask them to do things like interpret a results table or, you know, like here's a correlation. Is this a strong positive relationship or a negative relationship? Something like that. And then uh, I score the quiz. We go over the scores of the quiz and discuss them. So I see the pieces of their knowledge that they're missing that I have not done a good job communicating so that I can review that material, go over it again and make sure that that concept is solid and then sort of getting them ready to do the homework that they'll do that week. So they, they do a homework every week. Okay. And so we, it sort of functions on that homework cycle. So that's, that's how I have it set up. So usually that lecture takes me three whole hours and I am not willing to do a three hour zoom call. I think everybody will be miserable. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing a mix of synchronous and asynchronous, and okay. I, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to break down yet. I'm not sure. We're going to I'm, – I'm working on that part. I was hoping you'd have some good insights. For <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe our <laughs> listeners will have some great insights for you. Yeah, well, I have definitely been um, talking to some people online who do incredible work. There's a couple of really cool papers that just came out, and I'll link to them in the show notes um, too, that, that seem really promising in terms of um, online pedagogy. A lot of them are around flipped classrooms, mm-hmm. which I don't quite have the option to do because I have the lab. The lab is sort of a flipped classroom. I'm just the flip. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the classroom. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly how we're going to make that work, doing a flipped classroom with a lab. Maybe we'll, maybe somebody wrote about it. I don't know. I'll I'll read these papers and see what I can find out. Have you found, I've seen some people talking about rather than just doing a full three hour recording yourself doing it, you know, breaking it into chunks that can be like mix and match, you know, like watching a 20 minute chunk, you know, and knowing how long a lot of people's attention spans are for information at one given time. So five Um, minutes? Yeah. (laughs) Two to three. Uh, Maybe maybe I'll just do a whole TikTok series. Yeah. (laughs) One minute each. Oh, your students would love you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be really fun. I could probably, there's probably enough people who have introduced those concepts. I could just find them and collate yeah. them. <laughs> there you <into> go. Something. <laughs> Error variances. Woohoo. Uh, something I'm also Huge on TikTok. Something I've been also thinking about <laughs> is, um, you know, our, when we talked about thinking about, you know, uh, our racist past and the racist history of our fields, and we talked yeah. about thinking about our syllabus and, you know, what's often termed as like decolonizing our syllabus. Uh, so um, when I have not been giving a lot of thought to doing a creative online teaching, like I should be, because I'm just doing synchronous, uh, I have been trying to give a lot of thought to being very purposeful and in, in, in weaving that work uh, throughout the semester um, mm. and not just like the diversity week, you know, not doing that, but kind of thinking about the readings and who the authors are throughout the whole semester. So mm-hmm. that's that th- I, I'm starting to work on that. I have a, a week in August highlighted as my, my teaching week. So I only let myself think about it when I'm just, you know, watching TV before bed or something like that right now. But uh-huh. that's what my, so- my big teaching goal is uh, this fall. Yeah, I like that a lot. And same, I'm, I've am i been thinking a lot about or sort of reading more about how to integrate those concepts throughout the course, because mm-hmm. it's like you said, I don't want to be a, let's start with the history. These guys are white supremacists. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually been a lot of chatter on Twitter of people talking about things like uh, with COVID, I feel like there's a lot of cherry picking that's happening. So there's a, a people are seeing 
firsthand how data can be manipulated. Oh, like the COVID data you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So they're seeing seeing a lot of that happen sort of firsthand, I think, can give some context to why it's important to understand your positionality when you approach quantitative work. Yeah. Sort of historically, quantitative researchers are just bad about that. They sort of think, oh, it's a fact. Meh. But no, we all have a positionality when we, when we approach literally anything in our in our lives. Um, so I think that's really important to acknowledge. So that that's the way that I'm thinking about weaving it in there is to have people think and maybe even write objectively, not objectively, that's not possible, to write about what their positionality is when they're approaching the questions yeah. that, that I'm going to have them answer. So we'll, um, we'll see how that goes. I think that's I'm a cool curious. idea. And even you can move it into, like, did you see that, um, I think it was Georgia, even the data visualization. Oh. Uh, and that was really interesting because that tweet went viral, right? Where they were, it looked mm-hmm. like there had been no increases in cases in Georgia. Uh, but in reality, they just changed the acts, like the the labels yeah. of the colors. And so the colors look the exact same. But in reality, like if you had to look at the legend real closely, you saw the case, like the, 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 the colors meant something totally different between two graphs. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you saw the discussion afterwards where people were saying, um, that's just what the program does. It probably wasn't purposeful. Oh. But that program that makes those visualizations automatically oh, no. rebins. You know, and so even that's an interesting lesson about thinking about the package or the, you know, the statistical program you're doing and the defaults of that program and what it's doing. Um, as oh, using yeah. It. So uh, you're right there. I think COVID is kind of a really interesting landscape to teach your regression class in. I also think it would be interesting to to sort of highlight racial disparities in terms of, you know, here here are the people who are working these high contact jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, it, it's nice it's a nicer example of the systemic quality of racism as opposed to that person is racist. Do you know what I mean? Like people Mm -hmm. can sort of say, like, I think I talked about this in the other one, other um, episode on this, but if you say, here's some resumes and managers are less likely to hire Joquisha, well, then they can say, well, those managers were racist. Whereas this looking at the COVID data to say, like, look at how much more people are affected or the prison, like prison uh, incarceration data, people are much more, you know, um, black and brown people are much more likely to be incarcerated. And so those sorts of data sets where you're sort of showing the systemic piece of it, I Mm -hmm. think is a little more, you could, we could do a little bit more with that, I think. And so where I've been thinking about doing this is replacing my my go-to example is fake data about number of publications and number of years of experience and how that's how those things are related to each other and that is kind of fun and silly but it it's fake data so like not as fun so it would be kind of i think more interesting to put in something like covid data as my sort of placeholder yeah and kind of contextualize it and make it I think it would make the lesson make more sense like this is mm-hmm. what can happen I didn't really have a yeah. thought a finish to that thought <laughs> <laughs> finish <laughs> wow <laughs> um did you have the choice to be able to teach online or were you like are you mandated to teach online or were no you able to make our department just said all classes are going to be online Oh, nice. So our university said hybrid, 
uh, and I believe, you know, I'm not in these rooms, but I believe what it sounded like what happened is that they let individual units make their own choice. Mm. Uh, and so our uh, chair, our administration of our department was like all online. Uh, so yeah. uh, I am thankful for that. I am very feel incredibly fortunate when you hear the stories and the stuff going around, uh, you know, of what, you know, universities are trying to do to keep professors and kids in the class and sorry, students in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it seems a little scary in a lot of the places. Um, yeah, there's, we didn't have, I don't actually know how that operated at the, at the, um, university level. Cause I, I'm sort of, there's only so much information I can take in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> remember that buzzing thing I was talking yeah, about? Uh-huh. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I don't remember where it's coming from, what the directive is, but I know that we were able to choose, um, but we're encouraged to teach in person. Um, and I'm feeling, I I feel very grateful that I, I feel like my record is strong enough that I had no problem saying, I'm just going to do this online. I think everybody's going to be happier. And I, I think if it was my first year, I think I would have felt much less um, comfortable asserting that choice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think I would have felt, I think that the, the, the hierarchy in, in academia is so intense that I think it would have been much more difficult for me to say, no, I'm just going to teach this online. If I had a department or a program that was saying, we really wish that you would teach in person. And uh, I mean, I think if anybody here who's listening to this is in the position to be able to provide some support in that towards those, like if you're at a university where they're trying to, they're letting people have the option, but you're, check and see how your more junior people are feeling about that. See how your students are feeling about that. Are your students being required to teach um, in person? Because that's pretty scary. Yeah. And they, Um, you're right, the power differential, it's just hard, you can't. It's not a, it's not an open choice. No, not at all. They're basically like, they're going to be told you're going to teach this and it's going to be in person or you're not getting a stipend. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I maybe, or maybe they're thinking that students will speak up and say, I don't want to teach online. I, I mean, I do want to teach online. I don't want to teach in person, but I don't, I don't know that everyone feels secure enough to make that call and make that choice. So check on your students, check on your students. Uh, apparently I live in New York now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'll, you know, we agreed, but it's not nearly close to the end of summer right now. Um, <laughs> there's still plenty of time to be mm. writing all those papers that normally we'd be writing and grants that normally we'd be writing oh, this yeah. summer. Plenty Swimming of time. In time. So much time. time. So much time. What do you, do you normally, are you kind of, Maybe thinking about finishing up, going back to research a little bit. Are mm-hmm. do you normally spend a lot of time in your summer writing papers, or is it? Are you you know mostly eating ice yeah. cream and writing grants? So. Yeah, <laughs> I I do my. Uh, it's shifting because it used to be just nonstop grant writing. I was I was at the point of putting in like eight in a summer mm-hmm. because of that. IES only has one grant submission and that's really my main funder. So I was, in, I was usually just churning them out and not really able to do much paper writing. Um, but since I transitioned to this role in, um, in this, uh, what do you call it? Faculty role. Um, as a faculty member, I'm paid on grants for the summer. And so my summer work is now explicitly on those particular grants that I'm funded by. So I have 
you know, two weeks on this particular grant. And so for, I try to spend the equivalent of that sort of stretched over the summer mm-hmm. um, working on papers toward that particular project. Okay. Um, so that's, that's what I do. So I do, I do spend most of my summer right now. I am writing papers and I mean, theoretically, yeah, do you I think I told you how that's going? Yeah, you think your productivity has gone down this summer? Oh yeah. Realist, yeah. Just just want people to hear it. It's happening. Oh, it's way down. It's way down. And this I it's, mean there is data coming out now that shows pretty consistently that on average, again on average, you know, academics who identify as male are submitting more papers. Than before. I sure is getting up a whole hell of a lot of review requests. I think yeah. I got six this week so far. I got six or seven this past week. Then the no. last seven or eight days, yeah. What's Same that? thing. I mean, so it's a lot. Yeah, pe- somebody out there is submitting. Is it people who don't have children? I mean, that's what the data is starting to say. Yes, um, especially uh, it's especially not women with children at home. Mm, uh, but that uh that seems to be particularly the group that's not submitting right now uh but mm-hmm. yeah I've... you know I, I was thinking about how i some of the families that i know have done what you've done which is the husband has a stay home office and the husband has been kicked out of that office mm-hmm. for the for this time um you know other people i've talked to their husband has an office and they're just like or they're working in the basement, and so the 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 parenting really is falling mostly to the the mom mm-hmm. in these cases. the The dad tends to be a, do a good job of saying, "I'm going into my bedroom, and I will not be out until five o'clock," and they do it. I don't have that situation at my house, which is wonderful. I have a much more active co co parenting relationship, and um, but he's not trying to do that kind of work. Does that make sense? Like his his work is much more, I don't know, surfacey. Lo- not surface level. That's not the right words. It's much more. Um, you you don't have to sit and like dive deep into a hole to be able to answer a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing, sense, I mean, exactly writing. It's just do. you have to get up in your head to do academic mm-hmm. writing to submit grant to write grants. You know, mm-hmm. you need that clear space without distractions. <sighs> yeah, you do, and you're collecting some data on this, aren't you? Yeah, we have a survey going around right now. We're getting a thousand. We have um, a thousand respondents to it. Oh yeah. my gosh! And we pre- amazing. Yeah, it's a pre-registered uh, um, study just to see. There is already data out there. We'll link to some of the papers that have been published. Um, but we're hoping that to kind of add to that evidence for you know for people who don't want to just listen to stories, which unfortunately in academia. You know, especially in science, you know, we're like, oh, we want evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for this, I'm like, we don't, we don't need the evidence. Haven't we seen it enough? Aren't people's stories enough to say that this is a problem? COVID is reducing the productivity of certain types of people. Yeah. Uh, and it will be seen in three to five. Yeah. But not everybody is willing to just hear those stories. So uh, hopefully, you know, these data, and I know other people are collecting data, uh, will show it, you know, here, here's, you know, if you want data, here it is. Here's another paper with totally different data says the same thing. Here's another paper, totally different data says the same thing. So I just, I would just like to throw out there, listen to that incredible argument for building a body of evidence. 
and how important it is to have lots of different sources and different independent teams investigating the same thing. And I, I just hope that like that that is that's what science is built on and we just need to be doing that for all of our sciences yes somebody has already looked at whether i don't know kids can read words when they're three look at it again it's fine <laughs> we need more people to study all kinds of things to, mm -hmm. to broaden and, and sort of build our research base mm -hmm. so yeah that's you know it's not the end of summer yet but it's getting there <laughs> You're resigned to it. I feel like I talked you into it by the end of this episode. And I think I'm done kind of talking right now to you, Jess. And I just want to <laughs> go have a glass of wine. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that I'm sounds good. nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then we'll uh, talk again next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Within and Between. For information about this and all our episodes, you can visit our website, withinandbetweenpod.com. Connect with us on Twitter at within underscore between, where you can send us questions about developmental science and developmental sciencing. See you next time.